0: Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan Darty, and I have a uh, new friend on the line with me, all the way from uh, North Carolina. I've got Jasper Hall with uh, Pure Hope, and so Jasper, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Jonathan. Now i have to I have to bring this up, Jasper, because I was I was checking out your bio on the Pure Hope website, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you guys do and kind of what your ministry is but I loved the fact that um, in your bio, it says that you're not only a tech geek and a resident emotional sponge, but that you have a voice <laughs> like silk. So you got to oh. tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I will say uh, in, a, in a little way of grace and humility, that that's a title that's been given to me by our team, okay. uh, but I am actually a worship leader. I've been a singer for a number of years starting out in church growing up and then of course, evolving over time. But I've had a great opportunity to lead worship in a couple of churches here in the Carolinas. And even back in 2010 to plant, uh, help plant uh, Pastor Derwin Gray Transformation Church, uh, which is a multi-ethnic uh, church that's just been ex- extremely successful in bringing together uh, the people of God in the context of being a very diverse community, so on and so forth. and. Their motto slash mission is, you know, to be multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and mission-shaped. And specifically, that brings my skill set from music, from whatever genre uh, you might be interested in. I-, I like to sort of pull pieces from everything, whether it's classical, urban gospel, contemporary, traditional, what have you.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I would I would actually love, because one of the things I wanted to uh, to talk about today was... Um, you know, certainly the ministry Pure Hope and especially what you guys are doing to try to sort of reframe how the church addresses issues of sexual purity. But first, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Like how how did you come to be in this space of ministry and, and why do you believe that what you're doing is so vital in the time in which we're living?
1: Absolutely. And Jonathan, I appreciate the question. It's been an interesting journey. I don't know that I would have chosen to land here the way that I did, um, but I actually worked for Microsoft um, a, few, a couple of years after college doing a couple of different jobs. I've always been around the church, always been around ministry, as I mentioned, through music. But I took the corporate path. I worked at Microsoft and had a chance to you know, do everything from frontline call center support and helping customers with their issues, all the way to managing staff and teams and even uh, eventually being part of uh, acquisition for Skype um, and also even uh, planting a couple of different sites in Bangalore, India um, to grow that organization uh, in the support realm. Um, But about 22 and a half years in, uh, and a lot of other side ministry opportunities, whether it be music or whatever the case may be, uh, I had an opportunity to consider stepping away from Microsoft and um, it was sort of a, one of those, uh, in that space, as everything moved to cloud services, as you well know, the mm-hmm. idea was, we don't need as many people in chairs anymore as you know system administrators, et cetera. Everything's going to the cloud. And so we really had to think about it as a company and say, where do we make some of these changes? And I look for other opportunities. I considered a few other opportunities there, but it was like the Lord was saying, you, know, you can replace a job for a job, or you can trust me and be mm-hmm. willing to step out in faith here. And that's really what happened for me is I did a little bit of searching. And at the time I was on the board of this ministry, then called the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families, and, uh, and I thought, well, this is a great ministry. They're doing great things. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just helping them out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and I'll never forget, I called then my colleague at the time, Noel Boucher, and I said, Noel. And in fact, I had just moved on to the chair position on the board. I said, bro, I need you to be praying. This is what we're thinking about. This is what God may be doing. He's opening some doors. And he waited about 15 or 20 minutes after that call and called me back and said, okay, I prayed, I heard from the Lord, bro, you need to be here. It's time for us to take a shot down the field as a ministry and really think about how we grow and how we impact the culture and really even innovate ourselves. ministry has been around literally since the mid-80s, early to mid-80s. So how do we now take our message and innovate and be relevant to the current culture? And I really, I was, I was so bought into that. I'm like, bro, that's exactly what we have to do. And that was a way of getting me more enfranchised, more engaged, and eventually, uh, through vetting the process, came on board as a colleague of Knowles as president of what, of course, is now called Pure Hope. We've talked about that. And even that transition happened when I was a part of the board of saying, how do we narrow our focus and really narrow our scope of what our message is? And even who our audience is, and, and you touched on it, Jonathan, I know we're going to talk about it, but it's really the church, the big C church, anybody that says I'm a believer, um, because the world thinks they already have the answer, right? They already have right. the, the design, the definition, all those different things. But we've got to make sure things are right in our house and that we're following the Lord according to his word, so that in that brokenness that we all still have, we
0: have hope. So, so tell me also, how, how did you first even just get connected to the board? Uh, like, how did you get connected to this kind of ministry?
1: Right. So it's very interesting. Um, at that time, I would say probably maybe mid, mid well, I guess probably 2008-ish, 7, 8-ish, 9-ish, um, dear family friend of ours actually had become a part of the coalition mm-hmm. um, at that time, Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families, as I mentioned. And he was one of the executive directors here in the Carolinas. And he's also happens to be the godparent to our children. And he was telling us all about the ministry and what he was now engaging in and involved with. He was teaching. And back then the ministry did apologetics conferences, iron sharpens iron, women of faith, all those different things. And he said, I just need you to help me here in the Carolinas to grow the ministry and really grow, you know, kind of his platform in this context. And he he said, uh, I think it's just a great ministry. I'm really adept at teaching and loving to talk about the Bible and why people believe what they believe, and that's sort of a tangent of what the ministry does. And obviously, we then focus in on God's better story in the sexualized culture. That's what really pulled me in. And frankly, I didn't know what I was saying yes to at the time, Jonathan. <laughs> so I sort of tongue in cheek all the time now say, uh, back then I was like, sure, Uncle Dave, you know, whatever you want, I'll be glad to do it. You know. And I found myself going to one of the national board meetings in Cincinnati, where it's based at the time, and I heard someone stand up and give a report on trafficking statistics in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I looked around the room and said, wait a minute, is this in the U.S.? Like, is Mm -hmm. everybody listening to her? This is terrible. And back then, right, it was all about where are we doing to connect the dots to our sexual brokenness, objectification, et cetera. In that part of the narrative. And so I came home and told my wife, I said, honey, this this is a serious ministry. Like I, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I, if I'm honest, I had sort of checked the box of I'm on the board of this cool organization. I've got Microsoft and it'll plant a church, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord was like, yeah, but I've got your heart and I've got your heart and mind and soul and your desire to free people and see people freed. And that opened the door for this narrative and this conversation to go deeper with the organization and the ministry. And then again, when Noel came along, we were talking back then about, you know, how do we innovate? I came from an IT background and he said, you know, I'm looking at what I bring to the ministry in terms of leadership, teaching, you know, writing, all those types of things, speaking. And I came in back then as the president, still now president, but really more focused then on you know, how do we grow the ministry? How do we look at our infrastructure, you know, the technology piece of it, et cetera. And that's evolved even further now um, as we're even doing ministry internationally as well.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about this um, amazing vision that you guys have, which you state succinctly as a world free from sexual brokenness. Um, That's right. Unpack that for just the average listener, or even the the Christian out there, that's just man. They got their head down. They're they're working their job. They've got a family, whatever. And then they look up and they see this vision of some organization out there saying that, you know what, we want to see a world free from sexual brokenness. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, and it's it's a lofty vision, Jonathan. I mean, we're very sober and honest with ourselves about the fact that you obviously want the vision to be something that you're you're working to achieve and attain over a lifetime and beyond. And so it's lofty, it's, it's, it's audacious, and it's bold, and it's because we want to reach for that. What we recognize is that we won't see that in its fulfillment until Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. And so our efforting is about really equipping, uh, providing content, uh, world-class resources for, like I said, the big C church, and really taking the message of pure hope um, and reframing how the church views sexual purity. And reframing is a key word in that for us, right? Because we have other amazing phrases that people really latch on to, like, for example, purity is not an accomplishment, but a relationship with the one who is pure, right? The culture Mm -hmm. says sex is about activity, but we know it's about identity because it started in Genesis 1, right, as male and female image bearers of the king. So this idea of striving for, and I say striving, not in the sense of, of working, working hard, right? Because Mm -hmm. we know God's called us to abide in him, but striving in the sense of, we want to see that world free. And I use this illustration all the time. A lot of people will say, well, that's, how can you even hope to make an impact? You know, it's a multi-billion dollar sex industry now. And I go back to this and it may seem weak to some, but I honestly say, you know what? The shepherd went after the one. Mm-hmm. Jesus goes after the one. And our goal is one heart at a time to really, and it starts, you know, another one of our phrases we say at the beginning of that is the, a motto or a hashtag, what do you wanna call it? A world free, right? So a world free starts with me. If it starts with me, and then it starts in my home, and I'm not doing things to objectify, I'm not doing things to change the course of what God's called us to in this sexualized culture, to stand up, rise up, and live a life of peace and freedom, but tell his better story and understand Mm -hmm. that better story that's what begins to make a difference in people seeing wow there's freedom in that wow there is a better way that's god's way that really will give us this beautiful story give us a story of what we call the pure lifestyle of the pure loop we've called it as part of our name the acronym a life of prayer understanding resolve and engagement and that's a p- place where we continue to go back to, because there's gonna be times on the road where we struggle, we fail, where we we run into the guardrails, we even run through the guardrails, right? That God has for us, mm-hmm. but then we're back on track. So that really unpacks that whole world for me, right? It's lofty, it's audacious, but it's something that we are seeking through Jesus through relationship. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, all of this is based around the core verse in 1 John 3.3 that literally says, all who have this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure. And that's just so powerful. For me, even that's powerful. I grew up in the church. I've been a Christian since I was 10. I've boasted about that all the time. I was carrying my Bible around in high school. And back then, I was a little bit Pharisaic, I guess, for lack of better mm-hmm. words, because it was more about the don't, the don't, don't. You know, Mm -hmm. we like to say, or the stay away from, don't, don't, don't do this. But at the end of the day, all of us have this core brokenness because of our sin nature. We were born into this. And so the idea and the concept of a world free being just dependent on me and even more of a behavioral focus, forget about it. It's Mm -hmm. only through Jesus. It's only through relationship in him.
0: Well, let's talk about one of the things you brought up because, um, I think you know we have we talk about uh, worldviews, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a worldview. In other words, some some paradigm or grid through which you see the world, through which you see yourself, through which you That's see right. humanity, nature, all these kind of things. And we have a particular foundation for our understanding of all those things. One of the things you pointed out was the the difference with how God views things versus how we view things, so the, the difference mm-hmm. between how what God values versus what we value. And one of the things you pointed out was, you know, God has this tremendous sense of value on that lost sheep. Like, like you said, awesome. the good shepherd, and it's phenomenal that he's called a good shepherd, will actually say, hey, you know what, you 99, I'm going to leave over here and I'm actually going to go out and search for that one. Can That's you right. talk about the significance of the God's kingdom worldview versus man's kingdom worldview when it comes to understanding not only our own brokenness, but how we minister to others in their brokenness, why that, why that difference of worldview makes a, makes a difference.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, and this is very high level, I, I don't know that I would I, I can unpack that quite quite as much as I'd like to in the in the time that we have, but I think for me, if, if you take purely God's design, right, you know, and, and, and Jesus coming and dying on a cross for our sins and then returning for his church, the bridegroom, um the bride and the bridegroom. And and I think that particular biblical centric worldview of I have I have died and I've come back to save the loss. I've given my life. I've given, you know, I've given my son, as God would say. The idea there that he would die for our sins so that we don't have to wallow in that sin continually. We don't have to live through the brokenness of sin and shame is overwhelming, right? It's 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 untenable, right? We we can't imagine anything like that even remotely being true. But the contrast, right, is the culture that says and and it's even more and more wicked now, right? It's even hard to talk about when you start saying it's not even about what's absolute truth through Jesus. It's about my truth. Mm, It's about uh what I think is accurate and right. It's about uh, being tolerant of others and how they want to be different, etc. So unpacking this worldview now, which is ever changing and you know, I'm I'm sure we can both do a number of podcasts on just these different elements of things. The challenge there is it's a complete moving target. Right? Yeah. It it comes down to, you know, what may be okay today, and I, I use this illustration a lot, especially with parents, is you know, when you talk about your child and, and maybe even struggling with things like same-sex attraction or, you know, some of the things around gender fluidity, et cetera. Everyone still wants, in our culture today, the self-help, give me the three steps, the five steps, all those things. But at a heart level, at a core level, it still comes back to identity and the one who created us, Mm -hmm. right? And if you have no, and, and one of the things about Pure Hope that's sort of critical in this particular narrative in the conversation is, we've had the question, well, why aren't you talking... To secular people, why aren't you? We talk a lot in Christian schools and different churches, but why aren't you going to public schools? Why aren't you doing this? Well, obviously, in that context, the moment you mention Jesus, you're sort of ostracized, or we can't have that here, right? So now all of a sudden, that worldview is you're not tolerant, you're not understanding, you know, my truth is still valid. Whereas in the context of no, we are going to choose to be people of faith that follows Jesus who has redeemed us. And brought us into himself, how do we now speak to that group of people who have a different view of loss, right? I believe, but I'm still struggling. I believe, but I'm broken. Mm-hmm. I believe, but I'm probably not good enough because I've done too much. Or yeah. how in the world can you forgive
0: me? Well, it's almost like I think what happens is we we don't recognize this, especially I think a lot of this is especially uh, relevant in, in the Western church or the developed world church. Yeah.
1: Yes. Where
0: so much of that cultural influence has now been integrated in a lot of ways into our faith. And we don't recognize how that starts to erode the foundation of a biblical worldview. So we're That's almost it. trying to kind of have our cake and eat it too. It's like, hey, I believe... But you know what? I also want to have this sense of autonomy and I want to be able to kind of uh, feel good and exactly. and not have to exactly. suffer or not have to stand for something that's going to cost me. You know, it's like, it. well, God always brings it down to there's a choice to be made, right? In terms of choose this day who you will serve. You will serve. That's right. And that's right. So I wanted to ask you then, because you talk about the Big C Church, right? And right. what you're attempting to do to help reframe this understanding of sexual purity. Can you talk a little bit about that as we kind of move this conversation forward coming from worldview? And then what exactly are you wanting to reframe?
1: So we believe, and we've got a couple of recent examples that are just so rich, right? The core of our message that we really talk about when we're speaking with churches, Christian schools, leaders, whatever the case may be, is we start with, understanding God's better story of sex. Again, back to Genesis 1, male and female image bearers, but it ultimately starts with prayer, right? And this was a pivot, um, I think for me, in the last two to three years, being involved in the leadership on this ministry, often we would go because we knew we were speaking to churches or schools, Christian schools, we would just assume everybody had the same level of knowledge, spiritually speaking. So we jumped right into the message, know God's better story of sex. You know we grew up with guardrails we grew up with don't go through the guardrails don't, don't 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 but then we realize wait a minute if someone hasn't professed their faith that they're not walking a life of salvation and understanding that that they are redeemed through jesus alone all of a sudden their ears aren't here the children of darkness don't understand the things of light right so we had scenarios where people would go i get it that sounds great and then It was almost like revivals when I grew up, right? I was at the altar at every revival because I had to get saved again, you know? (laughs) So, So I think for me, it was kind of this recognition that the components that we try to talk about with that reframing is, let's start with salvation through prayer. Let's understand the issue, understand what we're trying to accomplish. We'll resolve to make a change, going back to that pure acronym, right? Resolve to make a change And and often you hear it kind of in an addictive type scenario, like, ah, I blew it again. I'm never going to do this again. I resolve. And what we found is the engagement piece is where the most difficulty is, right? Because if you don't engage in community, you don't engage in discipleship and accountability, you're right back to, man, I blew it again. And that's okay, right? Now, where Mm -hmm. I grew up in some cases, that wasn't okay, right? You know, Pentecostal, you know, you sin, you blew it, blah, blah, blah. And the culture has a lot of that on it. When they outside looking at the church, you guys are supposed to have it all right. Mm-hmm. So back to the core point of that framing piece, we come in the door with the, a clear level set of understanding God's better story. We're God's creation, he created us, and and he's given us sex as a beautiful thing, right? As a thing that's praiseworthy, that gives honor and glory to him, and as a part of his better story, right? It was the story of sex is critical to God's master plan, right? And so then we try to walk them through, and I know this is very similar to what you're doing at Be Broken as well. Then we get into, let's talk about how do I create an ongoing dialogue? Mm-hmm. How, how do I and how do we become the on, ongoing or go-to resources for, for those questions that our constituents, our friends, our pastors, our kids have? So that we can really navigate the sexualized culture and say, hey, let's call that what it is, right? That's sin. That's behavioral, and it, and, it, and it's transactional, and we have to turn to Jesus and say, what is His better story in this? And then thirdly, we dive into uh, the technology, right? You know, what we've got a five point strategy for your home. Everybody has different things that they can recommend around that, but but like you all, we've got you know covenant eyes and other resources where. We can literally say, you know, there's a way to filter and there's a way to monitor different things on your computers and on your your Internet access, etc. But the reality is this. If we're not protecting, modeling and equipping, then we're we're missing it. And the modeling piece is so Mm -hmm. key, especially for parents, as you all know, uh, Jonathan, that I can tell you all day long not to do something. But if you're seeing that in me, then I'm missing it. So that reframing it for me and for us bringing it full circle, the other piece that's key to this I should mention is we've recently sort of added this connecting the dots conversation. Because I know you'll resonate with this even though we've not talked about it. For years at Pure Hope when you've been around for this long and you've rebranded, renamed, etc., you have enough people out there now that are like, so let me get this straight. Are you the parenting people? Are you the porn people? Are you the trafficking people? Like what's your thing? And part of this reframing is Again, the core, the foundation, understanding God's better story. Then how do we create an ongoing dialogue, the conversation, technology? How do we protect what we can? Part of that is modeling and equipping, right? But then finally, connecting the dots. How do we, as humans, who may be believers, who may be on the journey with Jesus and on our faith walk, and we had this conversation with several students a few weeks ago, and and they were like, trafficking is trafficking is terrible, it's horrid. You know you get these scenarios of how you know in this terrible etc and then you ask the question but one of the core business principles that we all know about is called supply and demand right so if we are creating a demand through consumption even though it's innocent it's it's not bothering anyone it's just me it's my thing it's secret then we're creating that demand and so the, the supply has to be there so what are we doing to contribute to that that's connecting the dots, which is also then tearing down the fabric of who God's created and designed us to be. And so that's really how we talk about that reframing, because as I mentioned earlier, the the definition often, or or we're redesigning or redefining, et cetera, the world's already doing that. Yeah, there's already several scenarios out there where we can say, well, I'm this and this is okay, or this is now okay, and this is new. And we're seeing this at all levels, right, as you well know.
0: Well, what I'm hearing too is, and this is, I think, fundamental for us to understand. Uh, no matter what the presenting symptom or problem is, um, we're ultimately coming back to having to look at and deal with the human heart.
1: That's right. That
0: That's the right. the issue is ultimately about the heart, and and. Uh, like we were saying earlier, even the thinking about the worldview, what's the paradigm? What's the lens through which you're looking at life? And that all comes back to the heart. Jesus was very, very intentional about this, you know, the difference between what you may see externally and what's actually going on in the heart. You talked about, you know, back in your younger days, you were maybe a little pharisaical. Well, Jesus had his strongest words (laughs) for those who would present one way. And yet right. he knew their hearts were in a completely different place. That's and right. so, That's right. um, you know, can, can you talk a little bit about uh, the idea that no matter what the presenting issue is, it's always ultimately going to come back to that, the, the heart. And, and why is that both simple and hopeful for those who have any kind of sexual brokenness issue?
1: I'll give you this example that I used a lot, Jonathan, as a part of starting to, to answer that. When I came to the ministry, I remember saying to friends, yeah, I'm not sure why God called me here. This hasn't been my struggle, right? Like I'm not necessarily struggling with pornography. I'm not doing this, doing that, etc." To your point about the pharisaical commentary, right? But I was missing at that time the core fundamental of my humanness, which is my brokenness, right? And what that did for me is I'm already very much a heart relationship person. And one of the things that happened is I have three now adult children. And during that time, obviously they were in their teens uh, several years back. And I remember looking at them one day thinking, well, you may not think it's your story, but they're, you know, they're homeschool kids. They've kind of been in the bubble and life is good. And you feel like they all have good faith journeys, et cetera. But what are they going to do when they leave here and go to college? Mm-hmm. What what have you put in their hearts so that they, from a place of comfort and peace, can say, wow, I understand God's better story. Wow, I can live this way, which is countercultural, and in some cases even counterintuitive, but it is God's way, and there's comfort and peace and courage in that. And so that ended up being sort of my, um, I guess platform's the wrong word, but I guess springboard, to really begin to talk to parents and teachers and pastors across the country and say, man, I, t-, you know, ma'am, man, I just want to be honest with you, right? I know that we all have those struggles, right? Our pastor often says your your mind is the scene of the crime, you know? And so we all have that stuff that happens in our mind and our head, but what is seeping into your heart and what are you allowing to come out and manifest? And for me, and I talk to men all the time and, And they'll say, well, what do you do when you're struggling? And what about this issue? And I said, you know what? It may seem hokey, at least the first couple of times. But I'm like, I just start calling on the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I just start repeating the gospel and what God lays on my heart in that moment to distract me from that distraction that the enemy's intending. And all of that seeps into the heart. That becomes that filter of heart for me. And that's, you know, going back to your question about drawing me to this ministry there is a simplicity to honesty. There's a simplicity to heart and and some days saying, hey, bro, to my accountability guy, I blew it. Or, hey, man, I, I'm struggling right now, I need you to help me here. Or saying, hey, bro, how you doing? How's your marriage? What's going on? And, and I joke all the time. I, this is probably going to be funny for me to put on a podcast in the airways here, but You know, I'm kind of the female personality in my marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the one that wants to talk about things and go into detail. And I'll jokingly say all the time, I'll ask my wife a question just about anything. And I'll get the Reader's Digest answer, right? Which is dating myself, of course, but I'll get the quick, here's you go. And I'm like, well, let me ask that a different way because I really want more there, right? But that's just how I'm wired. And so I talk to people a lot where they're going man, it's great that you've got this amazing rapport with your kids and you can go deep and be honest. And what I want to say to them all the time and often I do is, all you got to do is cross that threshold once, right? Once you go there and you begin the dialogue, you will be surprised how much easier it is. Yeah. And then doing it when you're not doing it in chaos, right? You right. know, don't wait for the critical moment, find a time when it's calm and peaceful. And so to me, that's kind of all heart stuff. That's and that's kind of why i got the whole emotional sponge commentary that you mentioned in my description because my team laughs all the time they're like he's out counseling somebody i'm sure um (laughs) because it's not as much counseling as it is just loving people right where they are and then helping reframe how we think god is using that moment to grow both of us both closer to one another and closer to him
0: yeah well, this has been a great conversation. You know, a lot of stuff I'm hearing and what you're saying as we kind of wrap up here is, you know, uh, you mentioned about God's greater story. We, we, we need to know that. We need to share that. Uh, secondly, we need to embrace that, right? There's a personal relationship that God wants with us to transform our hearts into the men and women that he's created us to be. And then I'm hearing you also say there's got to be an overflow of that. When, right. when you've experienced that grace, when you've experienced God's greater story, how could we hoard that, right? I mean, it's like there's a there's a sense of uh, uh, overflow. So as we wrap up here, just as you're thinking about the individual out there that may be struggling with their own brokenness, or maybe the the church leader that's saying, you know what, we want to try to tackle this more intentionally uh, in our uh, congregation, what would you say to them as a word of encouragement? Then? And finally, where can they go to learn more about what you guys offer?
1: Absolutely, I think the word of encouragement for me, encouragement for me is, um, and I'm a big proponent of this. You know, whatever you're going through emotionally, whatever you're going through mentally, whatever that challenge is, that brokenness, allow yourself to peel back the layers of noise in your life. Be intentional about finding a place where you can truly let your hair down. And I, I, I say this, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a licensed therapist, but it's very therapeutic for me. Figure out your way to get it out. For me, it's therapeutically writing things down. It's journaling. It's, but even if for you, if it's just losing it and, and weeping, just find that moment that you empty yourself out of all those emotions and feelings. And, and and I even say in my journal sometimes, I say, Lord, I I know you're there. I just have to throw this question out there. What in the Sam Hill just happened? You know, be mm-hmm. real. Be like be like what your actual personality is. And don't try to come to God with some sort of form or fashion or style that that you think you need to be dressed in or postured in because he just wants the real you. And then once you start to empty yourself out, the way you refill that that, and start to find uh, freedom, is you know, it's a, it's a it's a plug both for for Jonathan and I, but there are many resources out here. There are, there are people in your life, there's your church, there are small group, community groups, all those different types of things. but 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 in that process of emptying yourself out, especially for the believer, you're praying, God, lead me to that right person, that right resource, mm-hmm. that right opportunity to understand where I am in my brokenness, but also understand your better story. And what we do at Pure Hope really is, is through a series of resources as we try to provide great content on several different mediums, just, just as Be Broken does does as well, um, to really help point you to that God's Better story you've been talking about. So, you know, again, we say the vision is a world free of sexual brokenness. We talk about, you know, we're, we're working to, and we say reframing, not reframe, because it's a process. It's ongoing. Yeah. We are being made pure. Through this process, right? So the reframing how the church views again, you are the church. If you're a believer, you're the church. And I want to make sure I'm reframing that. And so we've got some great tools and resources that, whether you're a parent, you know, we've got a resource called Parenting in a Sexualized Culture. It's a great four-part video series that can be consumed just through reading, through streaming, or even ordering the resource at PureHope.net. Um, we also have a fairly new app that we released that we really enjoy. It's got Several tips and tools and uh, different things that you can download, free PDFs and that type of thing, mostly free resources actually, uh, but also a daily hope that just sort of reminds you of that God's better story each day through his word and just through inspiration that's very short. And then just a number of other resources. We've got a podcast, uh, season three of our podcast released not long ago, and uh, we've got several guests that are sort of sharing their testimony and story of God's redemption in their life through Sexual brokenness and so on and so forth. So again, PureHope.net. You can download the app wherever you get your apps from—Apple Store, Play Store, etc. Um, and then the podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, and for the uh, for the video uh, viewers of the podcast, here I'm going to show you the uh, the app. There, it's very it's very simple, but I love it. Uh, I've got it on my phone, and I think it's it's cool. I mean, you got tools and tips there. Daily Hope. It's really a great a great tool, but. Jasper, Jonathan, I, you I for... say
1: this if I can interject. Yeah, I say this all the time now, and I think people will resonate. It's one thing to say we've got this great thing, and maybe you do or do not use it because you work for the place. I use it; it's actually really good. Yeah. So I agree with you 100. <laughs> percent
0: That's good. Yeah. You you drink the Kool Aid, huh? So <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Uh, but Jasper, man, thank you so much. Not only just for what you're doing at Pure Hope, but uh, just for how you've shared with us what it looks like to be available to God, wherever he Mm. wants to, to call you, even if it, even if initially it wasn't what your plan looked like. Um, but I think you would, I think you would admit that when you go where God leads, even if sometimes it's uncomfortable or difficult, it's always good. And so thank you for sharing your story with us and what you're doing at pure hope and, and keep up the great work. We appreciate what you're doing.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's been a complete pleasure and uh, enjoying getting to know you better, brother, and getting to partner on some things as well and um, just seeing what God has on this journey and mission for us.
0: Yeah. Well, listeners, we are going to uh, put all that information in our show notes about how you can connect with uh, Pure Hope, and we're grateful that you're with us. Um, uh, Please rate and review the podcast if it's been beneficial to you, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time. Take care and have a great week. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.